Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we're never distracted from the screen as we watch Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I'm your host, Austin Pryor, and I'm joined for one last trip through the portal by this week's guests, Ellen and Luke from the Love Rosie podcast. First off, I didn't fall asleep. And second off, I think I've run out of money. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to pay. Yeah, well, I mean, you've had to take a lot of trips from New Jersey back to... uh, Back to Wales. Yeah, I'd really thought when we agreed that you were covering the expenses, but, you know. Yeah, no, did the check not clear? Yeah. Check not clear. Nice fucking up-to-date <laughs> reference, Austin. We'll just Old scrap man. all that. Hey, I've, I, yeah. was, I, I had a donation towards my film's crowdfund given to me in check. Um, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Keep bringing it up, Luke. Keep bringing it up. <laughs> I know, which is... The, 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 the damn annoying thing is the fact that the crowdfund doesn't exist anymore. This would be perfect. <laughs> Well, the PayPal is there. The PayPal should be there by then. Yeah, we're going to try to set it this weekend. Minute 15 of Being John Malkovich starts with the tiny woman's continued petition to Captain Merton and ends one minute later with the anonymous others filing out of the AV room, leaving Craig alone with Mystery Woman. We don't know who this person is yet. First impressions of... Catherine Keener playing a character that we will later find out is called Maxine. She reminds me of Snape from Harry Potter. Snape? <laughs> okay, mine is mine is very different then. The white dress, the cigarette, the crossed legs. I was thinking Basic Instinct. Mm. And it's the nineties yeah. as well, so it's a, yeah. I think it's not it's not too far from that. I think that's that's kind of got to be in there as a as a at least partial reference or yeah, it was, maybe it's unconscious so, it's reference. so embedded yeah. in pop culture that like i know Definitely, without having yeah. seen the film and i think yeah. that's the same here i think yeah it's, it's like I'm, it's, i don't know what it was like seven years after the film came out but i'm guessing that that yeah. image with the, the uproar that that film had in totally, 1992 totally. people people know this and i've i've been putting up a side by side midway through our recording because i skimmed ahead and i was like am i right and yeah, the cigarettes in the same hand. And it's, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never caught that one, but I think it's so... That just became the iconography of the 90s so much. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Basic Instinct to, to this day and don't feel any particular need to see it. It was just a phenomenon, you know what I mean? And it was just... It was constantly yeah. referenced, yeah. like in The Simpsons. This is your last warning about that. It's um, It's like pop fiction for me. Like, I haven't seen it purely because so many people have mentioned it. And told me to watch okay. it. It's kind of made yes. me like back off a little bit. It's weird, isn't it? That's how a that bit. Works. Yeah, that that's a bit different because I mean, yeah. it, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction, like I would argue, is still a really essential movie. Yeah, yeah. Whereas 100%. Basic Instinct is just like it it's, was just it's, just, it's just an average. Movie, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. To, to call back, it is an average Michael Douglas and his family yeah. for a bit, and then Thriller. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, it is a very unusual costume for the workplace yes and with the sheer and all of this and it kind of in a way it strikes me as just kind of male fantasy that it's not really kind of it doesn't in a way it doesn't match the character in another way she is just such a 
she lives by her own rules and yeah. doesn't Cor- give a shit seems to have a of... thing about the fantasy dream girl because isn't that Clem in Eternal Sunshine? This kind yeah, of I very mean, idealized yeah, dream girl yeah. type. Well, Clem in Eternal Sunshine, like Eternal Sunshine, addresses the manic pixie dream girl trope. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't named as that, but but Clem a, a couple of times says, "I'm not a concept." Yeah, Maxine is obviously different type of dream girl as well like yeah, she's not yeah, the manic pixie but, but it feels very similar and obviously you can excuse it with clem because the thought it's all about memory and about how you see things in hindsight so that kind of yeah and it works it's, with eternal we, sunshine it's all from uh, joel barish's perspective in yeah. in in that they're his memories yeah but i mean i'm very aware of not defending Kaufman for the sake of it or defending any of the movies for the sake of it if this movie has some of those flaws and if this movie is like a, a problematic fave I'm fine with that you know what I mean I like it it, it I, I don't mind being critical of it but I do I do find it hard to figure because in a way you could say the female characters don't come out well out of this movie, but the males don't come out well either. And everybody mm-hmm. is kind of, is is really despicable in this movie. You definitely, for both of the main female roles in this movie, yeah. there's a lot for the actors to sink their teeth into. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Catherine Keener loved playing Maxine. and You can't blame um, her though as well absolutely yeah. it's it's like yeah. it, she was so excited about about the role i don't know as much about cameron diaz's particular attitude to the role or whatever but she i mean on screen she just looks like she's relishing it yeah you know she, I mean? she, she yeah yeah i agree with especially that. when things ramp up later. Yeah. maxine exactly. feels like a femme fatale without the fatale if that makes sense like it's she's got yeah. those kind of those kind of vibes and like ellen from a female perspective what do you think of how kaufman writes women from what i think seen? I quite like how he wrote uh, Maxine, Ma- Maxine's um, yeah. character. Whereas with, um, is it Lottie? That's Lottie, yeah. yeah. I find that with her, it was kind of, I can't really relate to what, like, she, I just can't relate to that one. Because obviously she's, mm. she's not, she doesn't want to be female, so- does she? Yeah, so um, when you see Lottie on screen, you just kind of can't relate to her, like as in her motivation and what what yeah, what she's yeah. getting out and of like the situation. And like how she kind or... of approaches men. I mean, because she doesn't really approach them, does she? I was going to say, like, do Maxine, you think the kind of in the underlying bar... transgender element she's right written as a male? In some, in yeah, to some extent, I think so as well. Yeah, I think that. Mm. But with Maxine, like even in the bar. When she was speaking, there was a few things that I was like, uh, but the rest of it, kind of how she was more dominant, I quite liked. Yeah, uh, because, uh, I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of lines in, in the bar scene um, that are just flat out homophobic slurs. Yes. Yeah. Which is just shocking to, yeah. Uh, to yeah. Mo- modern If audience. you kind of ignore what she said, especially with, because she did say stuff that was a bit strange and like yeah. shouldn't be said, but the attitude that she was portraying was yes. what we don't often see. Like often girls are kind of vulnerable and they're always yeah. acting like, mm-hmm. Oh, I need this bad person to save me or like this and that. Mm. But she yeah. was like, she was in control. And I liked that. I liked that bit of it. And he wrote that. Well, do you think the homophobic stuff is deliberate as to express her relationship with Lottie as a heterosexual relationship? 
Um, Maybe. She, yeah, well, she's certainly in it, it. Yeah, it is there as part of her journey because she's using homophobic slurs without thinking about it in the bar. Yeah. Then when she realizes that Lottie is experiencing, you know, this dawning of a trans identity yeah. or whatever, whatever it is that she immediately you know, rings up, finds out John Malkovich's number and rings up while Lottie is in there so yeah. that she can get this, you know, Maxine obviously gets this kick out of having two people staring at you with love and devotion out of the same yeah. pair of eyes. I was going to say, is she, she said, almost flaunting her overt sexuality and getting a thrill out of making someone else question theirs? Or is there some underlying non-hetero elements to her sexuality? I find like with whatever's said uh, that's homophobic kind of draws back to the ending when they're like hugging and they've got the child and then it kind yeah. of you just don't you just don't think about it then because it's like oh okay she's part of it now she's part of the yeah, it's LGBT kind of like her arc QI is that plus. like is it glorifying what she's like it's never acceptable but is is the film treating it as an unacceptable thing that she says well, the, well the, yeah. I don't think it is at the, in that moment but yeah. then the film plays several the film plays this trick several times Mm-hmm. where the film seems to be taking one side on an issue and then flips it. Yeah, that's what I noticed. So then it's kind of it's somewhat balanced in a way. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not allowed it anyway, but you know what I mean? It kind of balances the film if you look at the film as a whole. I do think that's what the intention was. Yeah, yeah. it allows you to implement your own views into it and kind of adjust that seesaw in a way. But I also like it because it makes you notice the the issues that are said but then it also yes. kind of reverses it. And it's so obvious in the film that it does that. Do you know what I mean? And they're so mm, woven mm. into the universe that it's not like it's trying to force an agenda to you one way or another. It's like it's like the real world in the way that these are conversations that just happen and things that are implemented into life. Um, I haven't done any research onto this and I don't want to make too much comment into it because i'm not in any position to say it but go how, on hot take how, well no, but how i just want to know how was the film received by the lgbtq plus community i want to do more research on this specific issue when i get to the pertinent minutes yes and it's one of my it's one of my notes for the upcoming minutes because it was literally i watched the film and i went the other day and i was like either this is aged really well or really badly and i can't mm. decide I mean, yeah. it's it's fascinating, and it it might even genuinely be that the the film doesn't stand either side of it, and it's just a concept that exists in the film without an agenda, one way or another. Which, yeah, which in a that... way, it's really progressive. If that's yeah, in a way, true. that's very refreshing. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, and as far as like I can see, it's not something that's discussed so much around the film, which is also refreshing, especially for mm. a nineteen ninety nine film. That's what I mean. It's because it's it's because it, it jumps back and reverses what it's been what has been said, kind of thing. Because she ends up being a part of it when she becomes part of the LGBTQ plus. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think these issues were framed very differently in 1999 than they are now. And I think also because it wasn't the main, you know, oh, that's that trans storyline that turns out to be a lesbian storyline movie. Mm. Because there's so much focus on, like we've talked about, there's so many elements. If that were the main plot of the film, I think it would be it would be churned through and discussed again and again and again. And what I found interesting checking it out on on YouTube is just how little discussion there is about this film in particular overall. Yeah, I did quite a fair bit of research and I watched a couple of interviews with Malkovich and a couple of like video essays. Yeah. And none of them approached 
this topic. And I, and there are fewer video essays overall than I would have expected yeah. on a film of this time of this nature. And so uh, I'm hoping to uh, address that with this podcast and put it on the map a bit more. I'm feeling that possibly one of the controversial elements of its representation is its very simple portrayal of the lesbian relationship and a trans thing as being one and the same. And I think that's possibly an issue which I could see. Once again, I know I'm not in a yeah. position to comment on, but the fact that from that moment they're trans and then suddenly it's, oh no, she's happy being a woman now and happy in a lesbian relationship. It seems almost yeah. as though it's instantly saying some comment on the trans community is what I felt. It, yeah, it could be. And it's and it's not, it would, it would certainly be dealt with differently nowadays yeah, it's definitely a very 90s attitude the, yeah. the, 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 the awkward yeah. thing is about this whole situation with the film as well is a lot of people still to this like even myself i'm not that educated on stuff like this no, so whatever i here. say might be wrong to somebody a part of the community and i just i don't want to come across that i'm saying anything wrong or saying anything hurtful and i feel like this part of the film is quite difficult to kind of yeah express especially this section I think I think from all of our parts, email us. Like if if someone knows that we're getting something wrong, get in touch. Email Definitely. us. We are all happy to be corrected. We're not. We yeah, know that yeah. we're not getting 100%. stuff right, and that we're just kind of skirting around the issue very deliberately. I think. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah it, we're not in a place to comment. Uh, but I think it's also a conversation that needs to be opened up. Yeah, I think it's it's anyone's place to discuss these issues. Yeah. But it's not it's not everyone's place to draw the final conclusion. Mm. But of course, then if you put it up to somebody who is trans or non-binary and say, well, now we're not allowed to draw that conclusion. So here you draw the conclusion. Yeah. Then you're putting that person into a position of representing their entire community, which is unfair as well. That's been my, my issue is there's been certain times with friends of mine who are members of the community where I almost want to say, yeah. oh, could you watch this and tell me what you think of this? And but yeah. I'm also tell me what to think. Yeah, of this. but I'm also yeah. aware that that's that's me generalizing that group and it's exactly it's so, so difficult in trying to be the best ally we can and know what's mm -hmm. what's the right thing and what isn't because yeah it's it's really bad for us isn't it it's so tough on yeah, us please cut please cut that <laughs> please cut that that came across way worse no than I thought. i'm only sliding no i know no, what you no. mean but no, I, you're I, talking I mean, about i mean you're you're talking about the line we have to walk yes, as and in, in, in a similar light, liberals. members of the yeah. community, please do tell us when we do cross the yeah. line and when things yeah, yeah. aren't. Because all of us are in elements who are willing to change our perceptions on these issues. Willing yeah, to and obviously what we say, things. if we say anything wrong, we don't mean it to be nasty or anything. It's mm -hmm. just a, com a, com a conversation about this bit of the film. Absolutely. Yeah. So. That's a conversation that I'll be... Uh, Cutting great jokes yes. out of it anyway. Yes. Yeah, probably. Um, just kind of my final comment on the whole thing is that Craig as a character, when he is being disrespectful against kind of Maxine and Lottie's relationship, I see yeah. it as a flaw in Craig's character and not as the film's approach. Yeah. Whether that's me adding a 21st century mindset to a late 20th century no, film, no, I mean... it felt like it was a character flaw that he couldn't accept that because yeah. of his feelings for Maxine and his... Yeah. 
I guess almost the 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 ups- Greg is not a great yeah. guy. Nobody. Also, in this the upset movie. of seeing his wife, who he couldn't connect with, connecting with someone else, is yeah. it, it doubles the pain that he's feeling that he just throws this prejudice out. That it's it yeah. makes him not a right character, but a well written realistic character. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The film is just so random, isn't it? It's, it's so random. It's so How random yet so deep. Think about this film. <laughs> yeah, every time I watch a Kaufman movie, I'm like, someone sat down and came up with this and wrote out like the pit, the beats, and all the rest. And yeah, well, I mean, this movie he came up with in a creative flurry, and there was absolutely no pressure on him uh, to create it. There was no deadline. There was no. Uh, brief there was no uh, director there was no he was that is just... where the best ideas come it's just annoying that they're the hardest ideas to then push forward yeah yeah i think uh, what i did hear malkovich say in an interview i was listening to this week um that it was he really kind of greatly respected the fact that especially as a kind of newcomer writer kaufman didn't go okay i want malkovich but in case i don't get malkovich i'm gonna make a being nick cage i'm gonna make a being tom cruise it was like it was malkovich and exclusively malkovich and i think that that's brilliant and it put malkovich in a very awkward position as he talks openly in interviews about how he wasn't quite sure whether to take the movie how he wanted to produce it and make it i think it was tom cruise that he brought up so that's the story of seven and a half Since the rents are considerably lower, this floor has been adopted by businesses which, for one reason or another, have been forced to cut corners. After all, the overhead is low. (laughs) 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 The end of this video is just so perfect with the bad laugh, this terrible joke that they have to (laughs) keep laughing. And they're laughing to add enough laughter for the editor to later cut out earlier, but then the the editor just used all the footage. <laughs> and it's just like, it's a little gag about bad productions <laughs> as well, which is so perfect. Yeah, um, definitely fits the film, doesn't it? <laughs> it fits the film so well, and it fits Spike Jonze's um, talent so well. And I can just imagine Jones reading, because this... this seven and a half floor orientation film has been in the script from the very first draft and it's almost unchanged wow and i can just imagine spike jones reading it and this being where he found his way into the film because it just matches his sensibilities no so much i have no idea if i'm right on that but that's it's just my, my so kind of head from a uh, first time feature writer and a kind of first time film director to instantly go, hey, look at this bad thing! Like it's such a it's such a yeah. brave move to go instantly. Yes, to take to the show, mic to to make fun of incompetent filmmaking in your mm. directorial debut. Yeah, you you don't want to really yeah, know what you you're really doing. don't want to do yeah. that just in case. That's absolutely spot on. Yeah, I just it, the only other note I had for minute fifteen is the the uh, the use of the Irish ye <laughs> at the end here is so perfect because it's so wrong <laughs> uh, i'll build a floor for ye between the seventh and the eighth in me own building so there'll be at least one place on god's green earth when ye and ye're a cursed kind can live in breeze and he's it's so perfect because in ireland in rural ireland we use the word ye as the plural of you and then when people hear oh they say ye in ireland i'll put ye in and they misuse it. 
And I don't know if this guy was doing that with that full knowledge, but it's not in the script. It's you in the script. <laughs> and adding that ye is so perfect because this this hack would get that wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people just doing, oh, I'll do an Irish thing. I'll do, I'll, I'll put in ye all the time. And it's like, ye is the plural form of you. And so like you're saying they used, it, they used it right then? No, they, they didn't. They, no, oh, she, they used it wrong. They, they used it wrong, oh, which okay. is right for this. <laughs> oh, you know oh, what I mean? Right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's been a great week, folks. Thanks so much for uh, joining me, both of you. And where can people find you? Let's give a quick little reminder. Uh, you can go follow our social medias, so Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at Love Rosie Pod, and you can find our personal um, usernames in those accounts. So now it's time for me to say finally, well, unless we come back some other day and some other week of minutes of adaptation or who knows what's next. But for now, at least, I will say a fond farewell to Ellen and Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for having us. It's been really fun. It's been good. You're most welcome. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>